0: Good morning, y'all. My name is Brandon Owen, but I think you got a publication about that or somewhere. Um, I've lived in this area my whole life. I've called two churches home in 38 years. Grew up in Cross Plains, Tennessee, where my father pastored Mount Carmel Baptist Church. At 18, I came to Belmont University and began attending in January of 99, which is 20 years ago this month, Nashville First Baptist Church downtown. Met my wife there. Thus far, we've raised our children there. I stand before you today, um, Bob, I appreciate how many times you said gratitude because Well, I told the joint transition team this Wednesday night, I told our deacons at Nashville First this on Monday night, but Fred Craddock once said, if if I'm ever on a a pastor search team and we're honing in on somebody that we're talking about or talking to, I think even before, I will want to know if that person can preach. And that meant a whole lot to Dr. Craddock, if you knew him. I want to know one thing is that person grateful. And I stand before you today with all these feels that I'm feeling, grateful for what God has done in the life, my life, my family's life, what God has done for 80 years at Harpeth Heights, most of all for what God intends to do. It was sometime around that time that I met, I came to Belmont that I met Betty Wiseman who's here this morning, who is a spiritual mother to me. And I'm so grateful you're here this morning, Betty. And it was just so happened that one of her former players, she coached basketball at Belmont, one of her former players uh, reached out to me through the connection with Betty and had me coaching, you know, where, when you're in college, you're trying to find things to scrape some money together. So I, I was a basketball player and I, was doing individual coaching lessons, and this particular former player, Betty's, had a son who was wanting to work with somebody, so I began working with him, and we got to know one another, and as it happened, that family ended up asking me to come teach their sons Sunday morning Bible study. And this morning, I dropped off my fourth grader in that same room. You know, there are evidences of God's grace all over, if you're looking, and that was cool. In this time of transition for my family, I'm looking for all I can get of those evidences. So I feel kindred connection with you this morning, and I have been praying for a long time about what God was doing in the life of my life and the life of my family, and the call that God has on my life. So it's a joy to be here with you this morning. We're in Exodus chapter 35. It'll be on the screen. You're welcome to turn there if you have it. We begin verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has called by name. Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, he has filled him with divine spirit, with skill, intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood in every kind of craft. And he's inspired him to teach, both him and a Aholiab, son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan, he has filled them with skill to do every kind of work done by an artisan, or by a designer, or by an embroiderer, in blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and in fine linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of artisan or skilled designer. Chapter 36, verse one, Bezalel and Aholiab, and every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill and understanding to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. The the instructions for the tabernacle actually begin several chapters earlier in chapter 25 through around 31. But then in chapter 32, the Israelites, they end up breaking the covenant that God had made with them. Those Israelites, they sure did struggle to remain obedient. I can relate. But now, God, where we are in our text, through his wonderful grace, has has renewed the covenant with them. And so Moses is now recommitted and recommitting his people to construct the tabernacle exactly as God has commanded, constructing it to be a visible reminder of God's very presence And provision. And the instructions are are so detailed and specific, so detailed and specific that we need to understand this morning that it truly would take the entire community to carry it out, working together, as Bob said, bringing their talents and resources and their passions. Earlier in chapter 35, in verse 10, the text reads All who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. All who are skillful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Moses is saying, hey, come. Come and create. Come and make this physical reminder that God is in our midst. God is here among us. And so Moses was commanded to lead his people with all of their skills, with all of their abilities, with all of their resources, with all of their passions to put together God's very dwelling place so that they could remember. Have you heard that this morning? Yeah. So that they could remember the instructions being so specific. They were were there to remind us, to remind them and to remind us as we look into the text of the created order of how God has created things, about how things were and more importantly how things again will be. When God restores all things, this tabernacle, a, a structure on earth that points people to heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. I know you hear Jason say that a lot. I love it. We see in the tabernacle some of that overlap between heaven and earth. And this overlap is important because it reminds us, y'all, that God is in our midst. Harptites, God is in your midst. Here, sure, we lose our way from time to time. The Israelites sure did. But listen to me, God does not lose God's way ever. I don't think we can get any closer to God. It's not that we can go somewhere else where God is. Now, we can feel far from God, but God does not leave us. God does not forsake us. Listen, I know we come from all kinds of places this morning, if you're anything like me, and I hope that you are, not in a like I'm so great kind of way, but in a <laughs> I struggle too kind of way. We come, we, we come from all kinds of places, circumstances. And, and the news for us, not just this morning, but every time we gather, every morning that you, that you get up as a follower of Christ is that God is in your midst. That He will not leave you, forsake you, abandon you, and the goal, the, 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 the reason we come together is to remember that. We have to remember that. No matter how often it seems like God is not in our midst because of our circumstances, we remind one another that, in fact, God is. So we have one another, a faith family, to help each other remember that there is nothing you can do, y'all, to make God love you more or less. Nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. Less, God is here in our midst, and that is really comforting for me as I stand before you today, standing in front of a group of folks that I really hope will like me <laughs> and my family. I know that God is in our midst, so I've been told by a lot of people, and I agree with it. I really just need to be me today and, and, and trust that that will be enough, not because it is, but because God is enough. And that God's plans for Harpeth Heights are good. And that God's plans for me and my family are good. And I'm really excited that those plans may be coming together today. As much as I want this to be the best sermon I've ever preached or that anybody's ever preached, it's probably not. But the better work, the more important Work. The more eternal work that we are going to do together is not going to be you sitting out there and me standing up here saying words to you. And that's going to be really important. I believe that. These are not my words as I prepared them this week. God goes before us. But the more important work, the more eternal work is going to be, as Jason says, often how we walk together. and love and care for one another. Learn from one another my goodness, y'all, I don't stand up here as somebody who has it all together. You are bringing in here somebody who is an unfinished work, who God is still working on, imploring to be more who God has called me to be. I'm not going to bring you along to anywhere that I am. I'm going to walk with you to where we're going, where God would have us to be. However good I prove to be as a preacher, and I want to be good, I want to be even better at being a part of what Jason calls me equipper's. And that is something that we will do together. Jesus' followers, who Jason said last week, do the best we can to embody and proclaim the gospel here in Middle Tennessee in new and fresh ways. Nearly 80 years of ministry in this place, y'all. You've been here a while. And we will continue together to try to get the gospel to where it is not yet. To proclaim Jesus' name where it has not yet been proclaimed. Right here in our midst where God already is in this rapidly changing city. The Israelites, they were God's chosen people, but they were not chosen because they were so great. They consistently proved that they weren't over and over again. They weren't chosen for privilege. They were chosen for responsibility. They had skills, resources, abilities, talents that they could bring before the Lord, but they didn't know how to use them well. But together they could remember how to use them well. Because God was equipping them to use them well they were to show the rest of the world who God is and what God is like. We are too. Hence we're called to do the best we can to embody and proclaim the gospel here in middle Tennessee. These Israelites were in exile. They were nomadic. They had all that they had they were carrying it along with them as they as they went. Y'all, this was not a season of economic abundance for them. The stock market was not up. Remember that the manna from God came from heaven daily. But that is a good word for us today because God is not waiting on us to be qualified or to have all of our ducks in a row. God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. Bezalel was filled in... Verse 31, he was filled with the divine spirit, with skill, intelligence, and and knowledge in every kind of craft because God equipped Bezalel, the called, by name. So, Harpeth Heights, what part can each of us play? How how can we contribute? How can we do, is what N.T. Wright says, build for the kingdom in this time and place? Early in Exodus, Moses is... Dialoguing with God, trying to convince God that he in fact was not the right person to go to Pharaoh and and ask Pharaoh to let his people go. Which before we're too hard on Moses, seems reasonable to me to not to, to kind of push back on, hey, go see the dictator and tell him y'all are just gonna get up and leave. This was a strong ask. By the Lord for Moses, but Moses stood there and said, I don't think I'm the right guy, God. Maybe you should get somebody else. Maybe Moses thought this was crazy and you shouldn't ask anybody to do this, so he was taking one for the rest of us. In verse 2 of chapter 4, the Lord said to Moses, What's in your hand? I hear God asking us this morning, What do we have in our hands? Even if the world would say it's not much, God would say otherwise. God would be able to use it, is able to use it. Even if we feel like Moses did, that we are not equipped, God says emphatically this morning that we in fact are. You see, Moses was missing the point. He was equipped because God is the equipper. So Moses could confidently step up and step out. And so can we. So can I. So we will acknowledge we have to acknowledge that God is amongst us. We have to acknowledge what God has given us that he's that he's gifted us to continue God's mission in the world from this place and I ask you this morning will we take advantage? Will we be God's presence here in middle Tennessee? Will we step up and step out? I believe that we will. If I am called to be your pastor, I will continually, hear me now, I will continually try to point you to Jesus, not to me. I will let you down. Jesus will not, because Jesus of Nazareth, y'all, is God. God took up residence in Jesus. God tabernacled in Jesus, and that's the confession of our faith as followers of Jesus. Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead so that you would never die, but be in God's midst forever. So we obey God, not. Not because we want to get good things from God, and we do, but that's not why we obey. We obey because of what God has done. Remember the gratitude that we talked about. It fuels our obedience. Our obedience is because of who God is and who we are in relation to God and what God has done in Jesus To be Christian is to love and serve God because God, the creator of all things, loves us and holds all things together. It's taken up residence with us. John 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. You are a tabernacle, God's dwelling place. We are a tabernacle, a visible presence of God in Bellevue, Nashville, Middle Tennessee, Tennessee, the United States, the world. So first, we need to realize, I think we need to realize how important it is that we gather together regularly, that we worship together, and we have today. has blessed me. I'll ask you often, if I'm fortunate enough to be your pastor, to be here. If you're in town, be here. We need you here. That guest needs to meet you and have you smile at them. We need to know one another even better than we do. We need to be encouraged by one another. Encourage, encourage, encourage. We can't say that word enough. I love this. Worship Worship literally means acknowledging the worth of something or someone, saying that something or someone is worthy of praise. I mean, we sang that this morning. To be Christian is to know in our bones that God ought to be praised and to know why we are compelled, why we are pulled to praise God, because God has made all things and holds all things together. So we come together to remember the good news of the gospel and the, the difference that the gospel makes in our lives, allowing us, causing us, is imploring us to step up and step out. In worship, we, we hear one another sing the songs of our faith. We, we hear each other read the words of Scripture, and it reminds us of our story. Sometimes we come in excited. Sometimes we come in extremely weary and everywhere in between. But to be praising God together is integral to your life as a Christian and, more importantly, to our life as the body of Christ. We must meet together, but as I suspect you know, coming together is not the only way that we love and serve God. If we are to step up and step out, we must do what Jesus said. We must take up our cross and follow Jesus. How often? Daily. Daily. The Thompsons, you don't know them. I made up the last name, but I won't lie to you, though, but I did make up the last name. They had a dinner guest. Uh, This was not somebody that they knew. It was an acquaintance, and he came, and he didn't just come for dinner. He actually came and stayed the night, and so... um, they were in the living room and Mr. Thompson was sitting there reading the paper and he noticed that the guest was down in the floor actually playing with the children, making up a new game with them. And, and he thought, goodness, I can't remember the last time I, I got down in the floor with my children and played, created a, a game with them. That's incredible. And then they had supper and the guest looked at Miss Thompson after supper and he said, that was such a delicious meal. I'm so thankful that you prepared it for me and Mr. Thompson thought gosh I don't know when the last time was I told my wife that the food was delicious after after dinner and then following dinner the, the guests went to on a walk down the street and he came home and he said oh my goodness y'all have the most wonderful neighbors the Mr. Young and his wife they they moved here all the way from Seoul they have an incredible story and Mr. Thompson thought gosh I I remember hearing something about a Korean family that moved in down the street, but I certainly hadn't met them. I sure didn't know their names. (laughs) Same pattern, you know, you come home, you read the paper, you eat supper, rinse and repeat, and then you have a dinner guest come who stays a while, and suddenly everything is different. God has called us to be obedient, like the Israelites, to how God would have us live out our faith daily because God has called us to be God's very representatives in the world. At one point, Paul refers to us as his letters of recommendation, I love that. You have the very power of God in you, so you have what it takes to step up and step out and be a part of God's mission in this world, but we have to be intentional, as Bezalel was, about using the gifts that God has equipped us with daily. I mentioned Fred Craddock earlier. He, he tells this story about a time when he was minister in Georgia. And he said that it was a small area that he was in, and there was a hospital there. And so the, the ministers in the area would take turns being the chaplain in the hospital for the week. And one week he was assigned, and, and there was a baby born, which was a big deal, because in this little 30-bed hospital, there weren't a lot of babies born um, very often. And so he hurried down to the hospital to meet the family. And you know how it is, the baby's in the window and everybody's gathered around the window, and there's this huge crowd there. And Reverend Craddock moseys up to the, to the window and says, oh, beautiful baby, what's her name? Well, Elizabeth is her name. The crowd responds, and Reverend Craddock says, well, where, where's, the, where's the father? And the crowd kind of looks back at the back wall, and there's a man standing up against the wall looking kind of nervous, looking kind of concerned. I can relate. Dr. Craddock walks back and says, are you the baby's father? Yes, sir. Says, Dr. Craddock said, well, it's okay. The baby was fussy. Face was really red. He said, it's, it's, it's okay. The baby's fine. That's good for him. Gets the, their lungs out, you know. It's good for him to be like that. The father said, oh, I'm not worried about my daughter. I know she's going to be fine as far as her health. I feel for. I mean, one minute you're with God, and the next minute you're in Georgia. <laughs> Reverend Craddock says, What, well, you believe that? You believe she was just with God? And I'm not, this is not, I'm not telling this story to let you in on any of my theology. It's just a good story, okay? He says, Yeah, I believe that. And Dr. Craddock thinks, Gosh, this guy's been reading Plato. This is incredible. Dr. Craddle looks at him and says, Do you think she'll remember? Daddy looks him in the eye and says, I don't know. I hope so. That's up to her mom and me and our church. Because if she doesn't, she's a goner. Exodus 36, 2 and 3. We didn't read earlier. I'll read it now. Moses then called Bezalel and Oholiab and every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill, everyone whose heart was stirred to come do the work. And they received from Moses all the free will offerings that the Israelites had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. Sometimes your Bible has those study notes at the bottom. They're fantastic. You should read those. And mine this week said that eventually the Israelites had to be restrained from bringing their gifts. They had to be asked to pace themselves. And I believe that just maybe that's what they'll be saying about us years from now. Those folks down there at Harpeth Heights, you have to restrain them from bringing and using their gifts, from continuing the life and work of Jesus, from embodying and proclaiming the gospel here in Middle Tennessee. Amen. It's not up to us. God can and will do it. We must show up, bring our gifts. That is how we remember who and whose we are. That That's how we keep stepping up stepping out. Kyle's going to come back up, and I'll always want to use this time well and ask of you to consider what God has said, maybe specifically to you as we've looked into this text. Because at least a part of what we're doing here together in remembering our story, in reminding one another who God is and what God has done, is to help encourage us, equip us to go, to take it to the discount tire store. That is so awesome, Susan. Let's pray. Lord, you spoke to Moses and you still speak to us. And on this side of the cross, we look at your son, filled with your Holy Spirit, and we say thank you that we are gifted, resourced, that we have the ability to do your work in this time and place through your spirit within us. We ask that you would do it. Show us how. Give us your eyes. Give us your hands. uh, Scream in our ear what we have in our hands and how it's useful to you. Thank you for this community and what it's meant for so long and the plans that you have for us. Let us feel uniquely in your midst. It's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.